I decided to head to Waterloo, Iowa to do an interview, a special interview with our friend Bill Kruger, sharing with you his trucking stories. Here we go. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Truth Social, found at The Radical Road, Twitter at The Radical Road One. Visit our website on theradicalroad.com and email us your questions or comments to Matt and Jess at ontheradicalroad.com. Hello, Rad Roadies. We're back. And again, unfortunately, no Matt today. He is back on the road. All right, Bill. I wanted to just say hello and thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you um, being on today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I've been started to go with my father in second grade in school, second and third grade, you know. So I grew up with, you know, and then I went with them all the time, California and everywhere, you know. So your father was a truck driver and yeah. you just joined along. Yeah, yeah, basically. He wouldn't let me go until I was about that old. So I was born in 657, so I remember going in the early 60s. Wow. Yeah, when I started going with them. And then it just, you know, then when I turned 16, I got my license, you know, my for my car, you know. Well, that's good enough to drive a truck as long as he ain't, ain't, ain't pulling a trailer. That was his thoughts. So he let me drive his truck, just a tractor with no trailer, down to go and help him load all the time. I even drove it to high school, I did. So uh, you were getting experience just bootlegging. Yeah, yeah, basically. And then when I turned 18, I uh, started going over the road. I got a, First, I worked for a construction company. Uh-huh. And then I got a job with another manufacturing place that made their own stuff so I could travel out of, out of state I could till I turned 21. And then when I turned 21, I was still living at home with my parents and I sold my car for the down payment money and I bought a brand new Kenworth cab over I did. Wow. And I went to least on the Warren Transport where my dad was eh, when I was 21. What year was it that your father started working for Warren Transport? Well, 1950. I guess the story he told, it was a John Deere dealer over in Wisconsin somewhere. I think Burlington, maybe. Somehow, John Deere told him if they come to Waterloo, they could get the contract for hauling John Deere tractors. I guess he got Winnipeg or something, I guess, and he went down and, and uh, talked to him, and, uh, you know, they hired him, you know. So he was actually the first one to actually uh, go to work for him in 1950. Hauling John Deere equipment. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he worked there probably about, oh, I don't know, I'd say about 40 years he was with them. Then, wow. I, then when I turned 21, I worked, started working there too, and I was there 10 and a half years. And then I uh, quit and worked for a couple other different people, and then I started my own company uh, 30-some years ago. What was the deciding factor for you going out on your own after working for a few companies? Oh, because I would get old, old of the pie. There's a slice of the pie everybody wants. And uh, I always had to find my own load anyway. It, it all seemed like, you know, ended up at whatever the, uh, the company would find. I always, I didn't want to, I didn't like that load or whatever. Right. You didn't want a deadhead all over the place. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't, you know. You don't make any money when you're deadheading. Yeah. <laughs> so I always, like, I always was looking for my own load. 
Was that kind of scary, frightening for you at first to go out on your own or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because my very first thought, okay, what are, what are, what are we all going to haul now? You know, but it all come around. And the the main thing is to get a, a customer that you can call direct for. Yes. That are dealing with the broker all the time, you know, the on a, the on middleman. So I got a I got a decent customer base, you know. And I one time we had seven trucks working for me, just to help me uh, take care of all my customers, you know, basically. Today is a lot easier to find a load with the internet. In the old days, it wasn't that way. You'd be stuck in a phone booth, sometimes for as high as three days, just living on that phone constantly, going through your phone book of phone numbers that you picked up over the years, and other friends of yours that drove truck, you would run into them, you'd spend an hour or two drinking coffee, exchanging phone numbers. <laughs> like, you know, they say, well, if you get here, call this guy, or if you get here, call this guy, you know. So he spent, they had a board at the truck stop, you could look at too, called the DA Dollar Truck. And they had a few loads on that too, you know. But sometimes that didn't do you much good. You just had to do a lot of phone calling. You were on the freight hunt. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know. Wow, how times have changed. Yeah, now we just get on the internet truck stop and bunch it up and it's, everything's there for you. At first, we started getting that via fax. When you first come out with this, they would send us a big fax every morning. And my wife, my wife was dispatching. I'm on the road, and she would go through it and figure out what load she wanted to call on, basically, you know. So, so how old were you when you met your wife? In my uh, early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then, tell us a little bit about your wife. Well, she. Because um, she went with you for a little bit, yep, correct? Yep. Yep. Yep, uh, we got we got married, and then uh, Warren wouldn't qualify her unless she went through truck driving school. So I sent her to school, and it cost me three hundred dollars back then. That's all it cost me. Wow, three hundred dollars. Yeah, and now it's like three thousand. I think it's even up to five thousand. Well, yeah, I've I've yeah. heard of that too. Yeah. But she used to drive. She never really enjoyed driving. She never really got into it. But she's in. But she learned all the paperwork and everything, which really helped when I got my own authority. She does all the paperwork, you know, huh? And all yes. that kind of stuff. And she learned all that stuff through this schooling, you know. Oh, but she used to go with me all over the place. She didn't really care for driving too much. But sometimes, a couple of times, I got sick and I couldn't drive. So she took over for you. Yes, and she had to. And she, you know, she she did a a, a good a good job, you know. But it wasn't her. You know, some women they really get into it. Yeah. And Nancy, she 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 was she ain't that way. You know, she didn't really get into it, but she could all do it if she wanted to. Do. You know, it's interesting to me now that I've been out on the road. How many women there is out there? Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Well, I, I never yeah. guessed that there would be that many women out on the road. Well, it's really changed the last few years. Yeah. From what it was in the old days, we just had like a handful. Yeah. You know. Well, now it's every time you old turn around, there, there's some, um, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah, she was. She sounds like she was your partner in crime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for our audience out there, how I met Bill was um, 
Matt and I grabbed a tractor out of the Waterloo Works yard and we were at the scale and it didn't weigh correctly on the trailer. So we pulled into the parking lot and Bill was there speaking with another um, truck driver that had a pink truck, a pink semi. And of course that, that drew my attention and I wanted to get a picture of the pink truck, but then Bill and I became instant friends and come to find out he has a Facebook page called Truckers Getting Things Done. And it's quite the page. You do a good job with your trucking page. Yeah. You take some really good photos yeah. and you yeah. share a lot of people's um, posts and it's really informative for truck drivers. Yeah. Yeah. What caused you to want to start that? You have a love for marketing, and I think it's yeah, great. I don't know. I I really I just decided to get on Facebook one day, and I didn't know much about it, but I didn't realize that much trucking stuff on there, you know. Uh huh. So I'll, you know, so I'm on Facebook, and I'm found all this stuff, and then all of a sudden come up, oh, create a group one night. Oh well, okay, I guess I could do that. So I created a group, and I just dreamt up that name top of my head, <laughs> and I started adding all my friends to it. But this picture taken. Is kind of like a, I'd say a hobby. Yeah. And I got apps where I play with the colors to get the picture the way I want. The editing, yeah. Yeah, of sundowns and sunsets. Yeah. I probably got over 15,000 photos in my phone, you know, <laughs> that a lot of, you know, some people have seen them that know me for a long time, but a lot of people haven't. And then there's, every now and then I'll be scrolling through my phone to some of my old photos and I'll just pick one I like and I'll share it. And people will think it's it's new, but really it ain't. So they really have no idea where I'm at or what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> smart. So, <laughs> That's very but smart. I take, well, I had a friend of mine on Facebook that I met, and he was taking some pretty crazy photos. So I, he asked, and I asked him, how do you do all that? Where's the timer on your phone, huh? And you set the timer, then you get back and get position, you know. I used to, I used to tell a lot of people, because they'd ask me, I'd tell them I had a film crew following me around. <laughs> some of them believed it, but some of them didn't, you know. Huh? Uh, but but it's, it's, it's kind of fun, you know. Let's go back to your dad. So did your dad think that you would be a truck driver? Take after him? Well, I don't know. Probably. He said the reason he took me all the time, because he figured I'd get sick of it and, and I wouldn't, wouldn't want to do it. That's what he always said, but, you know, I don't know. What did you love about it? Oh, I don't know. It's just something that, something that, you know, that's, well, I don't know what I actually loved about it, you know? I just grew up, I just loved. You knew it. You grew up in it and you knew it. And that's all I wanted to do. I didn't really pay much attention in school, to tell you the truth. I was a bad student in school. Because I'm thinking, well, this stuff, I don't need this stuff to drive a truck. I don't need this stuff, you know. <laughs> you already uh, knew you were driving yeah. a truck. Oh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. Huh? When oh. I was a little bitty kid, I knew it, you know. Wow. And uh, and so for our audience out there, we're actually sitting in Bill's shop. And um, he's got his Kenworth in here. And it's spotless. Can you tell us about your Kenworth? It's a 2000 model, but I got it in, ordered it in January of 99. And I wanted to get it the earliest I could possibly get it. And it come in May of 99. 
when I get it. Wow. And it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I've repainted it and I've done quite a bit of stuff to it over the years. Yeah. But, uh, the W900L series. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some other trucks before that, but uh, this, in, but never kept it nowhere near as long. Yeah. Yeah. I had a 79. It was my very first truck. And then I had the thing, well, about 50,000 miles. And I rolled into Montana on a mountaintop oh. with, with, with a load of lumber going uphill. The, I had a load of lumber and it shifted on me. When I run around this curve just a hair bit too fast, it's like a 35-mile curve. And I was probably going maybe 40, maybe just a hair over. Uh-huh. I really don't remember. All I remember, I was fighting it, then it went and slid down the driver's side of the road. On my side, I slid down the road. Wow. Yeah. So then we had to rebuild that truck, haul it back from Montana. So were you hurt in that? No, I got banged up a little bit. It bruised up and that kind of stuff. My girlfriend, she was with me. Oh. She tried to hang on the door handle and she went out ahead of the truck with the windshield, but the windshield stayed in the rubber. Wow. And I kind of blanked out, see. Uh-huh. And then somebody pulled me out of the windshield of the truck. And I don't know who, you know, so then I come to and she come running up, Bill, 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 we had a bad wreck. Oh, yeah, well, I don't know. Now, the wheels are still spinning around it was. The <laughs> wheels was. So have you had any other accidents other than no, that? No, no. Through the years? Because how many I've, years have you been driving? Tell the audience how well, many years. Forty. I'm, I'll be 65 in December since I was 18. Basically, you know. Wow. So. Pretty incredible. Yeah. And you're... On a little break right now. Yeah, yeah. Can you share with our audience why you have oh, to take a I break? Oh, I had uh, bypass surgery. So You're on the mend. Yeah, yeah. Say I can go back to work in November, the doctor says. So we'll see. Yeah. You know. And I had asked you um, one day when we were talking, because Bill and I will run into each other a couple times here and there in Waterloo. I asked you, I said... Did you, have you, do you have faith? Do you have faith in God? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like that's gotten you through some of these moments? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Because I've had some close calls. One yeah, you're th- like a cat with nine lives. Yeah, one time <laughs> I was coming over a little, on a two-lane road, coming over an overpass, and there's a truck down below at the stop sign. And I'm thinking, well, this guy's going to wait for me, right? No, he pulls out. And I hit wow. the brakes, and there's no way I could stop. And he had a big van trailer. So I get, because I had a pretty, you know, decent size. I had a, had, a, had a heavy load on, for starters, and I'm rolling downhill. And I could see myself going right through the middle of this guy's van trailer. But luckily, it had a nice wide shoulder. So I went right around him on the shoulder. Wow. And I was hauling coils, too. That's something. Yeah, I was hauling coils, too. So you too. had some weight on. Yeah, and plus, well, coils, too, you yeah. know, huh? Yep. You know. Coming down a hill with weight. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you have a lot of things happen over the years, you know. Close calls, basically. There's a lot of um, truck drivers that get really frustrated with the four-wheelers, which in in trucking terms, four-wheelers yeah. are cars yeah. or trucks. How do you feel? Have you gotten frustrated over the years or you just, um, 
Take well, it with stride. It don't bother me too much when, when, when you get older. Yeah. When you're younger, it bothers you. But I just, I don't pay, pay much attention. I just let them go, go on, you know. Yes. You know. Yeah, Matt. Matt seems to take them pretty well, but there's some truck drivers out there that yeah, yeah. they have a hard time with them. Um, mm-hmm. And we we had another episode where we talked about some etiquette with truckers too, and you know, just for four wheelers, the cars and the trucks to pay attention, things to pay attention with trucks because we do have a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. It is hard for us to stop on a dime. Mm-hmm. Will you go back out trucking once you get clearance? Yeah, yeah. I already got clearance to go in November. I got a letter and everything. Just depends on how I feel, you know. Yeah. I feel pretty good now. I've been walking two miles a day. Good for and you. doing exercise and that. Oh. What are some big changes that you've seen happen over your trucking years? Oh, one was uh, deregulation with um, all these big companies. They had to have authority, and they paid big money for it to haul certain kinds of freight in certain parts of the country. And then I think it was, I started in 79 at Warren's. I think it was like a couple years later, they they did this deregulation deal. Um, I haven't seen a big uh, thing, you know, about it. But a lot of people was complaining about it and that, you know. Huh? But... Uh, the race not, might not be as good as it was before deregulation, you know, but um, the race changed. Basically, what changes the race is supply and demand. That's good. You know. Yeah. And then I've seen fuel go all over the place, you know. I remember uh, uh, 50 cents a gallon for fuel. Then it went to a dollar. Uh-huh. And we, we had a car. We went on, went on, went on strike we did. Like in 79. Really? Then we, yeah. And then we finally got a fuel surcharge out of it. We did, you know. So you went on strike as a company or no, as? No, just, just everybody did. Just all the truck drivers got together and went yeah, on strike. Yeah. And at that time in 79, did you just call each other and set it up that way? Well, no. I guess it was just, I don't know. No, we didn't call nobody. Just everybody did it, I guess. Well, if you went out on the road, there was guys waiting that you get in a truck stop and get fuel. You wasn't leaving. They wouldn't let, let let you leave, you know. And just like up here, John at Warren's yard here in Waterloo by John Deere, there was guys that come up and they load a load of uh, load, put a sign in the back, going home. Right? There was one guy did pull it about three times. The third time, he never took his truck home. He left his truck, and he I don't know how he got home. You know, wow. but you know, <laughs> but, but, but there was enough guys around making sure that he wasn't outgoing. And we heard about it on the news, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And there, but there was, there was guys that was working. There was guys that was, but it was a whole different story back then. Everybody was, um, they all, um, clicked more than they do nowadays, you yeah. know? Yeah. They, they unified. Yeah. 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 It's like you go in the in the truck stop. There's always guys willing to help you, or you break down on the road. You'd have guys stop. Nowadays they don't even stop. You know. And yeah. Well, yeah, and probably a lot of it's out of safety as well these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, everybody's you know? scared and nervous. 
They are. Back in the old days, it wasn't. You know what I mean? Right. You know. Right. You know. So what would you say for the guys out there that are concerned about fuel when it goes up so high? Well, we always survived it. We seem to get more more money we do. At first, um, the customers and the shippers don't want to pay it. And then then they finally figured out they're going to have to because they won't get their, their their stuff moved, you know? Right. So, but right now, we used to average back in 79, early 80s, if you was averaging 80 cents a mile, loaded and empty, you was making money. There were some guys would get it down as low as 65 cents, some guys high as 90 cents. But now, 80 cents to a dollar, that's what our fuel cost is. So it costs as much for fuel as as it does uh, as we used to make, basically. Wow, to put that in perspective. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's you crazy. know. Yeah. And a lot of the freight rates used to be dollar a mile. That was common. Uh some was cheaper, some was sixty five, seventy five cents a mile rates was. Uh Good low to be like a dollar fifty a mile, buck thirty five dollar fifty, you know. And then, then it went to two dollars a mile. And I thought I would never see two dollar mile freight. I thought I would never see that. Well, nowadays, with this high fuel, it's like four, five dollar, six dollar a mile rates, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's some, you know, there's some as low as three. Then every now and then, this guy'll have a load on the internet. Let's say he's trying to move it for two. I said, I got that umpteen years ago. Yeah, but that was, I mean, you know. Yes. And that's, I know, one of the biggest complaints is there's a lot of um, shippers that want to do it for $3. And it's like, how? How do people make money? Yeah, yeah. When fuel's so high. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, your other expenses went way up, too. Yes. They sure did. And um, I don't know about you, Bill, but. Since we're traveling across the country, we notice um, it's really hard um, to find, like, we usually get our truck, our truck worked on at the shop, you know, at home. Um, but if we're out and about and we need something fixed, it's hard to find shops that are even open that have enough people hired to get you in in a decent time. Yeah. You know, when you're on the road, time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. And so... What we're noticing is now there's a lack of help in these shops to to even work on the trucks or the trailers. Um, and then, of course, all these um, restaurants are closing down all over the country that mm-hmm. are available for the truck drivers as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we out of our truck quite a bit, but for those truckers that maybe ran out of the food out of their trucks and they want something to eat, a lot of these places are starting to close down because they're short help. Are you noticing that too? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they close up the restaurant, put it in a fast food place. And I think a lot of that has got to do with ELD. See, because people don't have time to stop. Right. You see, another thing too. Explain what ELD is to our well, audience. It's an electronic logging device. Keeps keeps track of your yes. of your logging for you. But the, another biggest problem we got in the whole industry is this 14-hour rule. We never had that in the old days. We could drive, we could drive ten hours, 
take eight hours off. Real simple. And we, and if we go somewhere to load or unload, we go off duty. The clock wasn't ticking. Right. We didn't have the fourteen-hour rule. Hey. And explain what the fourteen-hour. Okay, rule the fourteen-hour rule is: like. you can drive eleven, and the other three is used for lunchtime, off-duty time, loading time, fueling time, whatever you want to do with it. You know, so you can't go over fourteen hours period. In a 24-hour day, basically. Right. You know, where you go somewhere and you sit for hours sometimes waiting to get unloaded or loaded or find a loader or do whatever. Yeah, and I think because of the 14-hour, um, we've seen truck drivers just flying into the truck stops because yeah. their clock's coming to a halt. yeah. yeah. And it's really unsafe that yeah, these truck drivers yeah. are just flying through the truck stops because of their clock. Well, a lot of guys, for the electronic login device, they run a paper logbook, which we've done for umpteen years. Put it in a, in a book, you know, and write down what you're doing, you know. And they would drive 60, 65 miles an hour. Well, then they're, they're forced to put this ELD, this electronic login device in their truck. And they're looking at that all day long. Oh, God, you know, I've been running 70 miles an hour for three, four hours, you know. And if I keep that up, I could probably make it to where I need to get, where I want to get to tonight. <laughs> you know, huh? <laughs> so, Are you hearing so, this, truck drivers? I know you probably all do this. <laughs> so, so they're driving 70, 75, 80, huh? Uh-huh. And they will, they will tell, they will admit to me, I drive a lot faster than I used to drive. I've heard this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's definitely <laughs> as as any system, everyone thinks it's you know going to help. There's also these cons, right? You have pros and you have cons. Well, the on the government, they don't, yeah. they don't have a clue how yeah. it actually works. Yeah. In the real world. No. Basically. No. You know, and then people run into it, a traffic jam. This friend of mine, he had electronic log. Logs into a big traffic jam. Right. Middle of daytime. Well, I'm not going to lose two hours in that thing. So he just goes to bed at right. two o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And then he gets up at midnight, takes off again. You know. Wow. Yeah. That's why he, you know. Everybody's got, that's what, that's the way that he does it. Because, you know, he's worried he's going to lose a couple hours. Yeah, going back to, you're right. You know, a lot of politicians, a lot of government officials, most most of the time don't live in the blue collar world, right? No matter mm-hmm. what industry they're in, they don't live that. So they don't understand what goes along with that. I will say I have, um, um, gotten to know some of the representatives here in Iowa. And what I love is that they're coming from these farming backgrounds. So they've been raised, they've lived on farming backgrounds and they're going out and they're, they're meeting with the farmers and seeing what they're doing and hearing what they're doing um, in order to meet the needs of everyday farmers or blue collar workers. They're going out and meeting in the industrial side as well. And so I love that they're trying to um, figure out what their needs are. And we need more of that in trucking too, I think. So to make it better for our truck drivers. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, that's people um, are in a big hurry, real big hurry. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've had friends call me. Well, I'm here. You think I can make it there in in in, in an hour? I said I don't know. Well, I hope I don't <laughs> run into a traffic jam. You know, they're all they're all you know because they get that clock. They're looking at that clock while they're driving, and they're all paranoid. You know, where they can make it, and then you can't park nowhere. Parking is another issue. Yes, parking is a big issue. Yeah. You know, and because truck drivers can't find spots to park in and their clock is running out mm -hmm. then then they'll just park wherever they can find mm -hmm. and that sometimes is a hindrance to the other drivers when they're trying to get in and out of the lots yeah. and then they make the parking spot so hard to get into you can't even get into them half the time yeah then you gotta worry about someone taking your hood off when they when they on leave yes um you know matt had gotten his 2023 Peterbilt to drive Yeah. shortly after he worked, started working for King brothers and we went to Palm Springs and we parked in a lot there and we were there for, um, a marriage getaway that was through our church. And so we got a rental car and we would go check on the truck quite often. We, you know, during our little getaway, we went and checked on the truck quite often. We come back to check on it and there's a big, dent on the fender of the tire and so someone had just backed right into it while we were not around and it's like how do you how do you do that wow. and then don't you just leave you know so they don't care sometimes people don't care well a lot of inex guys haven't been out here very long they don't have that much experience they don't. Yeah. There's a lot of newbies, yes. And when you park next to a truck at a truck stop, if it's a big company, I don't really feel safe parking next to them. Now, it's a guy with his own truck, got a really nice truck, that don't bother me so much. Right. And I've even went up to guys that are sitting in a truck, and they say, uh, what time are you leaving? And then, then they'll, oh, we're not leaving until morning. I said, okay, fine. You know, because then I ain't going to worry about them leaving. Then somebody else trying to back in the middle of the night. Cause I've caught guys middle of the night trying to back in, and if I wouldn't get out of bed and got them stopped, they would have probably they would have backed into me, yeah. you know. What are a couple of um, the craziest stories that you've experienced being out on the road? Craziest? Something that really impacted you, never left you. A st story that you think of often through your years. Well, that's a hard question. I don't know. There's so many stories. <laughs> I don't know. I've run the East Coast a lot of years. Did? Yeah, and I got a lot of stories out there about places that are hard to get into and that kind of stuff. And, yeah. And you get out there and nobody knows how to get nowhere. It's like I was delivering a load one time just north of New York City. And I called a guy and he wouldn't give me the directions. So I called the guy I got the load from and he had some directions. So I'm trying to find this place, and I stopped and asked a couple different people. Nobody knew, and I finally got within a block away. And there was a guy in his front yard. I went and asked him, and he said, "No, I never heard of that place." And it was a block away. Oh boy, a block away. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So there's a lot of instances like 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 that, you know, and uh, I don't know. 
Do you like going out east? Well, yeah. I don't, at first, I didn't like it. But after you run it a, a while and get to know your way around, and I've made a little bit more money going out there than I have out west. And it's a lot, a little bit easier. But you, you, you have to run it a lot to get the hang of it. Absolutely. And, and know where to park. But if, as far as traffic goes, there's the same amount no matter where you go nowadays. There's, you know, way too much traffic. Way too much. Yeah. It, yeah. If you're out east, out west, it really don't matter. Or down. But as you have said, you're a true trucker when you go out east. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of friends. They won't, they won't go out there. I, uh. One time I had a load going to the Bronx, New York. And this friend of mine, he seen there's a load of Caterpillar bulldozers out of Baltimore. And he said, hey, Bill, he said, where are you going with that load? He figured I was coming back this way, back to the Midwest. I said, I'm going to the Bronx, New York. Bronx, New York. <laughs> and I said, yeah. He said, oh, no, no, no. I said, you ever been there? No, I haven't been there. And I said, how old are you? Oh, I'm 50-some years old. Waiting about time you went once? He said, no. I was in Buffalo one time, and that was bad enough. It ain't going back. <laughs> He didn't like that experience. No, no, no. He ain't going back. Uh, all righty then. I've had guys working for me. And I tried to get up there, get out there. And one guy, we had a logo in New Brunswick, Canada. And I've been there numerous times. So one time I couldn't go. So I tried to get one of my other guys to go. Oh, I don't want to go out there and blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah. I said, how old are you? And he told me the same story. I said, and you, you ever been there? He said, no. I said, well, I think it's about time you went, ain't it? Well, yeah. yeah. So then he, he complained the whole time he did. The whole time he complained. <laughs> I don't really, to me, it's just another spot on the map, basically. Because mm -hmm. people are the pe people, and people are the same no matter where you go. They might they might have different accents, though, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I can find just as many rude people here. And I found some really nice people out east. I mean, really nice people. I would agree with you, Bill. You have both everywhere. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. And I've run into some really nice people out there. And I've run into some real jerks. And when he's, well, they like to intimidate you a little bit. Yeah. See, and I've been under enough. I just holler right back at them. Then, you know, it was like I used to go to this place in the Bronx, New York. It was a Caterpillar machinery dealer. Uh-huh. And I've been there num I've been there a few times, numerous times. And I'm waiting to back in unload one morning, and this other truck come the other way, a local truck, and they decided they wanted to uh, get him in there first before me. And I said, yeah, that's okay. So this guy starts backing in there, and his car comes flying down the street, and he about hit this guy's car, and but he didn't care. So And I started laughing. I walked in there, and I told that guy, I said, you know what? Where I come from, we don't drive that way back in the Midwest. He said, hey, man, 30-some years of living here. If you hit them, you hit them. That's the way it is. Oh, boy. And then the guy that's going to un unload the trucks, his name was Billy. Or, I think his name was Billy. He comes walking around and says, hey, he says, is something wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? He said, i never seen the, see the same truck driver twice, and I've seen you before. <laughs> He said, I'm good. I'm a super trucker. And I said, no, I said, I'm not scared of you, of you on New Yorkers. I told him, you know, uh, and they all laugh, you know. That's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
You were brought up right. But I, I can always find a, a bright side to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's all perspective. Yeah, and then these people on Facebook, they post these pictures, they're out there, you know, in all this traffic, in the big traffic jam. You know, I always tell them on Facebook, I wish I was there, huh? <laughs> so then, the, then you ought to hear the comments in, uh, you know. So speaking of, um, you know, we see a lot of just careless, irresponsible wrecks, even if it's not in an accident with another vehicle, it's just an accident where the truck has gotten himself in a bind. And do you think there's more of those today than there used to be? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, inexperienced might be part of it. Uh, Some of it uh, might be because you're in a big hurry because the clock's ticking. Do you think there's a lack of training too these days? Well, I don't know what proper training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With some companies. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a school right here in town. Uh huh. And they had a big. Um, they wanted to get another contract with another big trucking company, and he was using a Cedar Rapids school, Kirkwood, and but so they wanted to, and it, it was like an eight week course or whatever, and they said we'll give you the contract. We got to run through in six weeks. And they, he says, that's not enough time. I don't care. Either you run them through in six weeks or you ain't going to get it. Okay, we'll run them in six weeks, but it's going to be Saturdays and Sundays, nonstop. They're, they're going to have to go be in school, you know. So there's some of that going on. I knew the guy that run the school out there, and he was telling me and Nancy that one time. Yeah, so that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't help the situation. But them big companies, they want to, you know, they get plenty of trucks and they want to get whoever they can to get in there. Wow. And, you know, and as the passenger of someone that drives these John Deere equipment, the oversized hauls, you know, I watch some of the turns you have to make and some of the binds that you can get into if you're sent on the wrong route or um, if there's unknown construction that comes up, you know, I think to myself, you really need to be calm and you need to know what you're doing here. Some of these situations. Mm. And cause I've thought about getting my class A and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if that's for me. Um, and only simply because I, it takes a certain person to be able to handle those situations too. And not to get instantly worked up in those situations. So. Yeah. I bet some deals like that come to a low overpass and you can't get underneath. And then you got to take this route and this route and find your way around and ask people. So you have come up to bridges that were um, too that were too low for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you handle that situation? Well, I dumb mare ride truck and trailer, and I try to squeeze underneath there, you know. But some of them I don't even try. Yeah. And then I try to one time in Galesburg, Illinois. Uh, I was probably fourteen wide. And Illinois farm machine is exempt. You don't need a permit. But they got a, a route thing you can look at to check the roads, you know. And yeah. I was good to go down the interstate. But I could go down the interstate, there's a big sign, oh, no, loads over 10 feet wide. So I get off the first exit, and here's some couple of low bridges. And I survived them. And then I got into town. I'm trying to get back to the interstate, and it's getting dark on me now, and I'm 14 feet wide. And there's a couple of truck drivers there, and 
And so I stopped and asked them. They didn't know. Here comes this young kid in a pickup truck. And he says, where are you trying to get to? And I told him. He said, follow me and I'll take and I'll show you. So this, and I was so far off track, it was unreal. <laughs> and this young kid, and he, he took me clear around, and he gave me around everything, got me over to, to the loves there at Knoxville. And he, he didn't want to take anything. He was your angel. Yeah, but I gave him 20 bucks, you know. Oh, I don't want that. Said, yeah, you, I'd yeah. still be there trying to find that. Oh, that's kind. Yeah. Yeah, he was your angel for the day. We all need those. Yeah, because, you know. We do. Yeah. I know. I I think that that's really important while you're on the road. Mm -hmm. um, just making sure that, like for Matt and I, I know we pray a lot just that we're protected. You know that yeah. that God just sends His angel armies and protects the truck every day, the trailer, the machine, mm -hmm. and just protects us. Um, and that His angel army does intervene in times like that. Right? That was an angel from the army that was intervening right there. Mm -hmm. And we've had those situations where a random angel will just show up and help. And um, one guy's not too far from here, and he's been a truck driver like you for many, many years. And he just showed up at just the right time in mm -hmm. the parking lot here in Waterloo. <clears throat> it was helpful. So um, it means a lot. And um, it does mean a lot to also um, – Pick your guys' brains that have been out on the road for many years. You have mm -hmm. so much experience, so much wisdom. Mm -hmm. You know, I know the day that one of the days we've um, ran into you, you were giving us a helpful hint, you know, that we would have never thought of pulling if you pull in the same trailer all the time with measuring. And it was like, wow, I never thought of that. Um, that's really smart. But it's definitely something that you learn when you're on the road for a long, long time. And um, it just means a lot to be able to uh, soak in the wisdom from all you experienced truck drivers. What is some advice that you would give some newer truck drivers or maybe men or women that are planning on getting into truck driving? Well, don't be afraid to ask people. Yeah. Cause I've had guys come to work for me that didn't really know that much. And I tell them when you're loading or unloading or especially when you're loading, go and see how other guys are doing it. And don't, you know, and, and when you stop at a truck stop, because we do open deck work, walk around, look at other loads and see how them guys have got it secured down. You That's know, great advice. Yeah. And we've done that. Yeah. Matt and I've done that ourselves. And I've had, I, I got, I got some people that used to use, that call me every now and then and, and ask me something, you know, because they're loading this or, you know, they'll want to know. And I'll tell them, you know, speaking of angels. One time I was in Montana, it was snowing out, and they had the chain lawn. And uh, me and another guy was running together, but we thought we could make it without chains, right? Well, he made it, and I didn't. And I got to the, right to the very top, and I started sliding. And I, when I spun out, I'm sliding backwards down the hill. It's on a two-lane road, Highway 212 in Montana. Oh, boy. And, and I stopped on the wrong side of the road. I could have went over the side. But oh. I didn't. I stopped. And then I got trucks coming at me now, heading right for me, coming down the hill. And, and this, so I got out my cable chains that I had, and I put them on. I couldn't get going. And uh, another couple other trucks went by with no chains at all. They had a spread axle flatbed. So the sheriff come by, and he said, looks like you got a problem. I said, yeah, no kidding. Well, well, let me see what I can do for you. 
Now I thought he was going to write me a ticket as sheriff was. Right. And uh, pretty soon he come back with all these other truck drivers. They went by with their chains in his car. And these other truck drivers put their chains on me. Wow. Really? Yes. And I still couldn't get going. And then the snowplow come by and dumped a big pile of sand. And I threw that underneath the tires and I got going. I asked that one truck driver, I said, how did you make it? Well, I got double dumps on my air right on my trailer. And I dumped that one axle and puts all of my weight on my drivers. So God's timing with the sand. You needed that. Well, them other truck drivers. Yeah, and they're, and the other truck drivers to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that was back in... He sent his army. <laughs> that was back in uh, probably 91. Wow. That probably wouldn't happen today, but back then it happened. Well, we hope that it would happen, right? Yeah. We hope that we can help one another. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that is... That's... Fear has just um, built up in so much of society, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. But you would hope in our industry, in the trucking industry, that the fear doesn't over- override each of us that much that we wouldn't help one another. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to help one another. Just put that fear aside and know that, you know, know that God is going to um, help us through a situation if we're being helpful to others. So, yeah, we just, we just pray for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that we're yeah. covered when yeah. we go to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, you don't want to stop helping people. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that yeah. we're seeing today is that yeah. many people have stopped helping other people and it's based out of fear. Well, you walk in the truck stop and nobody even talk to you. No. Every now and then a guy is about my age. He'll, he'll, you know, hey, or, you know, nod at you. But most most people won't. When I'm in the truck stop, yeah, I make them talk. Yeah, yeah we they yeah. were uh, we were yeah. stopping, and I Matt was fueling up, and I was going to the restroom. Yeah. In order to go to the restroom, I had to walk through four truck drivers standing yeah. in line at the yeah. cashier. Yeah, I go to the restroom, I come back, and they're all looking down, just yeah, somber, just depressed looking, you know, um, and just looking down at the floor, and I'm like. Hey guys, what's so bad that you can't smile? And they all lifted their head up and they all just smiled and brightened up. And they're like, you're right. You're right. One of them goes, you're right. And they all just lightened up at that point. So, I mean, that showed me that we do need to actually step out of our boxes and just say hi to people and just start the conversation. I think you're really good at that. Mm -hmm. You're one of those lights that shine on people and you get people going and switch their mood for a day. And, you know, I think we need more people like that out there in the trucking industry that we, we shine our lights a little bit brighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In their situation, I was a 21 year old kid. I took a load to Manhattan, New York. I don't know why, but I took it because I'd never been there. Right. Well, the closer I got, the scareder I got going in there. And I was over and I was over New Jersey and I called this guy to see how to get in there. You know, he told me, call the police, and he hung up. <laughs> and I'm on this payphone in New Jersey, this truck stop, and this guy heard me walking by. This guy heard me. He said, where are you going? And I told him. He told me how to all get and get in there. This guy did. That's another example. Wow. Yeah. Were you by Hoboken? 
No, I was, in, I was over by the New Jersey Pennsylvania line, but I was going to Man Manhattan, New York. Yes. To 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 some kind of a pier they had down there. Yeah. So then I drove in there and I found a place, and I got unloaded. And there's a guard there, and I said, "How did I get back on that bridge up there?" I don't know. <laughs> so I pulled down the street, and here come uh, one of them furniture haulers. We call them bed bed buggers, because you know they they would move your house, all your stuff, your belongings. One of the, here comes one of these trucks. And I rolled down my window. And they pulled alongside me, and there's two of them in the truck. I said, you guys going to Jersey? They said, yep. I said, I'm going to follow you. So <laughs> we had to go around this really hard corner, and we had to get both our trucks up on the sidewalks. Oh, boy. To get around to park cars. Oh, and yeah, that would be a chore. And that's back when we had uh, 44-foot traders and cab-over trucks. This is where the... Patience is needed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, um, we're running out of time here. Okay, then. Bill, but um, we've, I've had fun just hearing some of your trucking stories and hearing some perspective on our industry. And um, I hope that as time goes on, we continue to build a friendship. Um, you, Matt, and I, and Nancy, you have a wonderful wife. And you have a beautiful place. I love it out here, but um, we just want to maintain that friendship and just, you know, I just want you to pour into us all the wisdom you got. <laughs> and so, but thank you for taking the time today. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Okay. All right. Till next week, Rad Roadies. Adios. Adios.